Hi everyone, from my side, welcome to our service today. Everyone watching on Seals Course, our whole Prodeo family, we miss you guys so much seeing you in person. But also, if you're here today for the first time, we're so glad that you're joining us for the final part of our series, Fearless. This has been such, I, for me personally, it's been such a great journey through the book of Esther. It's so relevant for the time we're in. They were all living in exile, so it's kind of like a lockdown. They didn't have the freedom. And during this whole book, we see how, how characters were facing hardship and difficulty and pain and things that could have filled them with Fear, things that they believe might have been the end of them but every time they face these challenges they rise up and they act boldly and they act fearlessly and that's what we're talking about how can we live boldly and fearlessly despite challenges in our life despite difficulty despite hardship like what our whole world is facing at the moment Quick recap, if you missed the last three weeks, you can catch up on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, wherever you can find videos and audio recordings, it is there. But let me give you a quick recap what we've already said. You have to choose in difficult times what you're going to stand for, what foundations you're going to build your life on, what habits you will include, because what you stand for is what will grow. So if you, you can decide during difficult times if you're going to write God into your story or out of your story. The second week, we learned that whatever you're facing, you're in it and God has prepared you for it. So stop being afraid of it and accept the fact that God will not, not allow something across your path that He has not prepared you to handle. And then last week, we said one of the most difficult challenges in life is probably when we feel like everything is out of control. But when everything is out of control, we do not have to go crazy. We do not have to lose um, our marbles. Why? Because God is still in control. God is still for us. And God is at work behind the scenes and at the end of the day working on the perfect plan that it has for your life so let's not live in fear let's live boldly but here is a question for today here is a question if we said last week that God is at work behind the scenes, where does that leave me? What is my responsibility? Does that mean God is doing something so I can do nothing? I don't have a responsibility. And the answer, very simply, before we even dive into today's stuff, is no, we, we do have a responsibility. And there's different times in our life that will re require of us different reactions. Think about sport for a moment. In any good sports strategy, there's always times when you have to play the offense, where you have to go for the ball or where you have to throw the first blow or whatever. And then there's times for defense where you kind of have to stand back, stand your ground, but not go actively at it. And even when we think about any situation that, that will really give you a quick scare or a quick fright, what do we do? We say we fight or we flight. So there's offense and there's a defense. There's a time when you stand and there's a time when you react. And that is where we are today. We are busy with the last topic, our fourth topic of this series, Fearless. And we'll be talking about fearless, being fearless to react, being fearless to go on the offense and not just on the defense. You see, because sometimes God strengthens us to remain standing. He helps us to not fall under the pressure, to not give in when things are really hard. But other times, God calls us up 
to a standard, a higher standard of reacting and doing something about the problem we're facing. So today we're going to continue reading from the book of Esther. We've kind of gone through the whole book today. We are at chapter 9. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't read the whole book yet, make a point of it this week. It is an awesome book. You will love it. Just go and read the book. Um, if, you, if you're like, Lou, but I'm not a reader. Man, I used to hate reading and I love it so much. Why? Because I started to do it more and then you start to love it. So stop binge watching and wasting your time with things that won't take your life anywhere and start doing something productive like reading Esther and learning from that. But anyway, today we're at Esther 9 and we're going to be reading from verse 1 to 5. But first, let me catch you up on the background. In chapter 3, we read about a man, Haman, that plotted to kill Mordecai and all the Jewish people in the Persian Empire. So he goes to King Xerxes, he gets a royal decree signed that a couple of months from that point that they can wipe out every single Jewish person in the whole kingdom. Then in chapter 7, in 6, he tried to impale Mordecai, one of the Jewish leaders, on a pole. But then the whole thing gets flipped on his head. And in chapter 7, Haman is impaled on this pole. Mordecai kind of takes over from him. So now like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now it's King Xerxes. And then Mordecai takes almost takes in the place of Haman. So now Mordecai is almost like second in control of the kingdom. So now the Jews are safe, right? And the answer is no. The royal decree, the king later says, cannot be revoked. So it is still in place. The Jews still know that a couple of months down the line, we are all going to be wiped out. But then something happens in chapter 9. The king gives Mordecai and Queen Esther permission to write a new decree under his name. And what they basically do is they pick that exact same day that all the Jews would have been wiped out. And they said on that day, all the Jews in all the cities of the Persian Empire can gather together, can take up arms and can wipe out any of their enemies. Anyone who stands against them. Isn't that crazy? So we're going to read today what happened when that day finally came, when the Jews were about to be literally almost exterminated by the people who hated them. Esther 9 verse 1 to 5. On the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, the edict command, commanded by the king was to be carried out. On this day, the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, but now the tables were turned and the Jews got the upper hand over those who hated them. The Jews assembled in their cities in all the provinces of King Xerxes to attack those determined to destroy them. No one could stand against them because the people of all the other nationalities were afraid of them. And all the nobles of the provinces, the stratrabs, the governors, the king's administrators helped the Jews because fear of Mordecai had seized them. Mordecai that was just a nobody the other day. Mordecai was prominent in the palace. His reputation spread throughout the provinces and he became more and more powerful. The Jews struck down all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying them. And they did what they pleased to those who hated them. 
Now this is such a crazy twist in the tale. The, the day of slaughter arrives, the day when, when the Jews would be wiped out. But God, at that point in time, asks them and calls them up and gives them the opportunity to react. And they react. And because of the reaction, what was supposed to be their slaughter turns out into their victory. And this is the lesson that I remember from this. Often, we expect God to take our problems away, to take our bad circumstances away, but we do not want to do anything about it. We're like, God, take, take my health problems away. God, take my, um, my obesity away, or take my unfitness away, or take my illness away, or take my marriage problems away, or take my, the, the, the issues that my difficult child has, take that away, like solve COVID-19, solve my financial trouble. But we don't want to put in the hard work. And what this beautiful passage teaches me is that it, it should not just get to this point where we're like, God, you do it and I sit back. But here's the reality of, of us as human beings. That includes me, that includes you. Okay? They did a study um, amongst patients who had heart attacks and strokes. This was a study a couple of years ago, I think 2013, um, amongst, if I remember, what was it? 17 or 19 countries. 17 countries, 7,519 people. All of them had a heart attack or a stroke. And then they, they asked them that they have to make three lifestyle changes. If you're smoking, you have to stop smoking. Um, you have to start exercising, even if it's just walking for a couple of minutes a day. And you have to start eating healthy. This is the crazy result. Uh, especially the men. Women were a little better. Men were not so good. But only one in four men... No, sorry, one in four men made no changes to their lives. So a quarter of the men who had a stroke or a heart attack, afterwards you would think that's a wake-up call, the faces thing, they would sort out their life. A quarter of the men didn't make any changes to their lives. 4.3% of the people in this whole study, 4.3% improved in all three areas. Stopped smoking, started eating health, and started exercising. Only 30% did two things so two of the three only 47 percent, half of them were like i'll do one thing but that's where i draw the line because isn't that just what we are like often we face hardship we know we have to react we know god is calling us to do something but we just can't get ourselves to that point so we continue praying but that's kind of where it stops the jews were still facing a difficult situation at this point like Haman is dead, but the Cree is still standing. They've been praying. They've been saying, like, God, take it away. But it's still there. And my question is, why didn't God just somehow take that decree away? Convince the king to revoke something that he said he cannot revoke. Anything is possible, right? It's God. God could have done it. Why doesn't God take it away? And I believe God didn't take the problem away because he wanted them to act in association with him. And that is the lesson um, that I want to share with you today. God will not always take your hardship away, but he will give you the opportunity to act in association with him. So God will say, here's the opportunity, take my hand and let's tackle this problem. The Jews weren't the only people. 
Gideon in the Bible, the Israelite, uh, uh, back then the nation was facing difficulty. God calls him up to raise an army. And then the army kind of thins out and God is like, you still have to do something. There's a miracle in all of this and God gave them a credible victory. But Gideon still had to rise up against their enemy and attack them. King David, numerous times, just a simple story of David and Goliath. God doesn't just let a boulder fall on Goliath's head. God is like, David, you have to stand up. You have to face this man. You have to fight him. Like you have to react. I will be with you. It will be a miracle. But you have to react. The disciples in the New Testament, they had to do something. A lot of them died in service to God. And amazing miracles happened. But God asked them to act in association with God in difficult circumstances. It's like there's a consistent pattern throughout the Bible. God can do anything, but God wants us to act in association with Him. What I've learned from this story in Esther is that we can keep asking God to change something in our lives. But if we are not willing to start doing something about the problems we're facing, we can't just expect God to take them away while we're sitting back and, and, and having a drink. Health problems. God can do a miracle. But there's also a requirement for you to do something bad. Your marriage, you can pray till you're blue. But if you're not investing in your marriage, if you're not talking things through, if you're not doing the hard work, it's not just going to be magical. Um, your studies. You can pray and you can be like, God, I know I parted the whole night. I didn't learn anything, but help me to pass. You can't require, you can't ask God to do that if you don't want to do your part. Your relationship with your kids, your finances. You can't say, God, help me with my financial crisis, but you cannot stick to your budget. We have to act. And it doesn't mean, I'm not saying that it's all up to you, that it's all up to me. Because what we've been seeing in the last couple of weeks, COVID-19 has been the most amazing eye-opener to the world. That we as human beings are not so much in control as we thought we were. Suddenly this random virus started to spread like wildfire across the world. We're not in control. So it's not all up to us. That's not what I'm saying. The Jews were a minority. They couldn't face this big army. They might not have been capable. to. They would have probably been slaughtered on their own. So I'm not saying try to change every all difficult situations. Try to change the hardship all on your own. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you have to react. But where your strength ends, where your ability ends, that is where your faith needs to kick in. That's where you say, God, I want you to give me the opportunity. I want you to be in this fight with me. God gave them an opportunity and I believe God will give you an opportunity as well. Because God loves to turn our negatives into positives. It's not just up to me. If it were up to me, like we wouldn't have faced any issues. The churches have been gathering. It would have been good. No viruses. But it's not. It's up to God. But I have to also act. God is in the business of changing our negatives into positives. And you might be like, Louis, what do you mean with that? In the story of, of the, the Jewish people living in the Persian Empire, they were a minority. They were, 
There were, there were so many things working against them. The, the, the kingdom almost conspired to wipe them out. But we read in verse 2 that finally when the day came, no one could stand against them. Verse 5, they struck down the enemies with the sword. Verse 13, you remember Haman, the guy who planned this whole thing? God is like, I will not even let his, his, his descendants continue with, with this evil against my people. So all 10 sons of Haman are killed in verse 13. Verse 16, it says that 75,000 men in the Persian Empire were killed by the Jews. Everyone who stood against them, all their enemies, the people who were against them. Like the negative, the situation where they are, the exiles, where, where, where it seemed like so bad, turns into, into a positive with the people who would have wanted to continue to kill them if the decree was just ended. Suddenly those people are gone. And the negative turns into a positive. Guys, we can't, we don't always understand why God allows bad things to happen. Why God allows the negative. Yes, we live in a bad world. We live in a broken world. But why does God allow them to continue in my life if I'm a follower of Jesus? I can't be 100% sure, but I know there's a couple of lessons that I learned from the story and that I've learned throughout my life through facing some really difficult things in my own life. In this story, God was shaping a people who would be strong enough, who would be capable of going back to the land and rebuilding it. He was clearing a way for them so that when they go back, that they didn't have all these enemies behind them as well. And what I've learned in my own life is that God is at work and He sometimes allows the things to continue, the negative things, the hard things, the painful things, because He is shaping me into who I need to become in order to live out the purpose that He has for my life. One thing I've learned is God sometimes allows the negative things to hover for a while because he wants to shape my trust in him. I have learned this very practically. It is easy to say I trust God when everything in my life is good. It is not so easy to trust God when I'm facing things that are out of my control, that's painful, that's hard. But that is where my faith Faith, that is when my trust is put to the test. That is where it's grown, where I say, God, I trust you, despite the fact that it seems like things are not working out. He gives us time. That's the second thing. I believe he gives us time to figure out that we actually need him. Because as human beings, secretly, we all believe that we are self-sufficient. But the longer these things progress, the more I realize I cannot do it on my own. I need God. And I believe the third reason is because Pain sometimes makes us stronger. Have you ever heard like a broken bone? When it regrows, it's actually stronger there. And I've, I've read this incredible book a couple of years ago, specifically about for pastors, um, Leadership Pain. And, and this book talks about how you have to be able to, to bear a certain amount of pain in order for your leadership to go up one level. Pain and leadership goes together. So God makes us stronger. He grows us through difficult times. The one thing I know for certain is that until the day Jesus returns, enemies, hardship, pain, brokenness will always be present on this earth. But what I know for a fact as well is that God will always be present as well. And what I know for a fact is that He is still in control. 
the last lesson I learned from this story is that I need to have an attitude of gratitude. That should always be a mark in my life. I want to have an attitude of gratitude. These guys trusted God to provide opportunity. They prayed God provide opportunity. The negative turned into a positive. They achieved victory because they reacted. But what is so beautiful to me is that victory wasn't just victory. It was coupled with joy and thanksgiving. And I've got a problem with the fact that as human beings, it's so easy for us to ask for things, but we are so quick to forget to say thank you. That's why I'm always telling people, keep a prayer journal or keep a Bible study journal. Write down the things you are praying for because you will forget God is going to do a miracle in your life. He's going to give you opportunity. You're going to see breakthrough, but you will forget because we are as people magnets to the negative things. I just watch a TED talk about this as well. We social sociologists found that we, we when you t when, when the, the way we look at a glass, glass hole full, we're happy. But the moment you realize it's half empty, we just it, it all goes south and we stick to that. We are quick to spike in the highs and we stay in the lows very long. But the Jews had a different way. They had an attitude of gratitude in in chapter 8 verse 15 to 17 before before this war starts, what do they do? They party. They are joyful. They're excited because the law was passed. They can defend themselves. God will provide a way out. After this, chapter 9, verse 20 to 32, what do they do? They throw a party. They celebrate. They go crazy. They thank God. And they make it a day that every year after that, they still celebrate to thank God for the victory. Guys, don't forget what God is doing in your life. One of the best, the best cures to negativity is not positivity. Because how can I just like be positive when I'm negative? It's not just like a, a switch that flips off in my mind, right? The best cure to negativity, I believe, is thankfulness. Not only does God want our thankfulness, like a parent wants his children to be thankful. But thankfulness changes the way we look at the world. It, it, it cures. It's a remedy to our negativity. So I want to tell you today, how will you react in times of hardship, in times of pain, when God presents you the opportunity? I don't want to be so paralyzed by my pain that I'm just like, God, you do something and I'm just going to sit back. I want to be ready for when the opportunity comes that I can act. I want to pull up my budget. I want to do something in my marriage. I want to I want to walk the extra mile. I want to do what is necessary. I want to read my Bible. I want to pray more. I want to trust God more. And I want to thank Him more. But I want to react if God gives me the opportunity. And I want to do it with thanksgiving. Because I believe my God can turn my negatives into positives. So remember, you choose what you're going to stand for, growth or decline. Remember, it doesn't help to ignore your problems. We said in week two, because we're filled with fear, we have to face and we have to trust God that he has prepared us to handle the situation. Week three, we said, don't lose it when life seems out of control. God is still in control. He is working behind the scenes of your life. And lastly, when God gives you the opportunity, 
act on it play your part in solving the problem don't try to do it on your own do it with god trust him seek his face and when he opens the door don't be afraid to go through it and to tackle your problems head on let's pray jesus thank you that you are in control that you are busy working behind the scenes, that you have prepared us for a time like this. And thank you that I believe that you will give each person facing hardship and difficulty and pain the opportunity to act in association with you. I pray that you would turn our negatives into positives. I pray for every person watching this today, and I pray that you would turn the situations around. I pray, God, that above all, that we will not forget to be thankful. You deserve our praises. You deserve our thanks. And we want to thank you, God, that despite things like us not being able to meet together now, that we get to do this online. It's something we thank you for because you've, you've given us the tools through people to be able to do this. And we know you will get us through COVID-19. We know you'll get us through the economic problems. And we know that through all of this, we will walk out stronger if we walk with you. May we hold on to Jesus. Amen. Guys, if you have not decided to follow Jesus yet, and you're still trying to do all of this on your own, you're still trying to react on your own, to act on your own, to do things on your own, and you know that you've reached the end of yourself, I want to encourage you to make a decision to start following Jesus. And it's not hard. You don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. The Bible says in, in um, Romans 10 verse 9, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, so if it's something we, we profess, it's something we believe in our hearts, then we will be saved. And all you need to do today is to, to confess it with your mouth. So to invite Jesus, to ask Him to be your Savior, to ask Him to stand with you, to ask Him to, take, to, forgive, to thank Him actually for the forgiveness of your sin because He already forgave you when He died on the cross. And then to believe it in your heart. And if you want to do that today, all I'm going to ask you is complete a connection card. The details will be pinned in the comment section. Complete a connection card and mark the little box that says, I gave my life to Jesus today. And whether you have done it or whether you want to do it, it means we will get back to you. We will guide you through the process and we will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. But then also this week, we officially said we're not going to meet as a church. One, we are meeting in a hotel. Hotels are still closed. Two, we do not believe it's the best course of action, especially with the spike of cases in the Western Cape and specifically in Cape Town. We want to take care of our own people, but we also want to be a blessing to the community. So we don't want to be, as a church, a super spreader. So for now, we're going to continue online. But I want to encourage you, join us Sunday mornings, 9.30. You can get up at 9.20, okay? You can be in your pajamas. That's fine. But join us online, partake in the comments, comment, say hello, be part of the church. You will only be a number, no matter the size of a church, if you decide to just be a consumer and a spectator. But when you interact, you become part of the community. So join us on Sundays, join a community group. Community groups are so important, they're life-giving, it's where we grow. Send us a message, we'll send you the link every Wednesday evening. 
at 7 and we might start some more groups so let us know if you want to jump on that and then lastly please continue to give i know it's been a tough time for a lot of people a lot of you are um have have not experienced financial hardships other people have and not only do we want the church to continue the good work to continue doing what what we've been doing but we also want to be able to take care of people who are facing hardship to the point where they cannot pay rent and we have done it people who cannot buy food so please even if you're afraid trust god also with your finances continue to give faithfully continue to tithe um, continue to contribute to our COVID 19 fund Trust God. His, His word promises that if we trust Him with our tithing, that He will supply in our needs. So all the details for that will follow right after this. Next week, we're starting a cool new series, Why Work Matters. So if you're going back to work and you're like, Ah, oh, I hate work or why do we have to start working or you're excited about work. We're going to talk for three weeks about why work matters does god care about work how do we integrate our work and faith i'm excited for that and i'll see you again next week so over now to the giving details bye thank you for being a part of our online service today if you enjoyed the service and feel you want to contribute to what Brodeo is doing consider giving financially to our church there's two ways you can do that the first way is through our banking details and the second way is through Snapscan. Both of these steps is available on our website. You can just go to www.prodeo.org.za forward slash give or you can follow the link below in the comments. If you enjoy the video, please share it to everyone you know. We want more people to connect to life-changing relationships. That is it from us. Bye.